Hey everyone, welcome back to 25 Stories I Made MLS. I am one of two hosts, Neetal Raman. Host number two, Toodle Raman. And we are still recording from the loft, meaning we are also joined by our dog, Jessica Jones, aka JJ. She is looking at me lovingly. <laughs> it's very nice. It's a nice thought. Yeah. We took her collar off so that she doesn't make as much noise, but yeah, we're just battling the elements here. Yep. Um, so round two in the loft. Yeah, round two. So this is episode, what, 13? Yeah, 13. 13. So I About think halfway. We are um, at the halfway of this episode. We'll be halfway done. Yeah, somebody pointed that out, that it'd be halfway of episode 13 and not 12. Yeah. that's how math works. That's how math works. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if there's like 30 seconds on the clock, the very beginning of a soccer game, it's, uh, it's minute number one. It's still minute it's still, number one. Still, it's minute number one. Yeah. You got to forget about that zero to 60 second range. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who left that comment, but thanks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're, I wasn't going to stop in the middle and just be like, yo, we're halfway. But I think we've already allotted enough time to it <laughs> by talking about it now. Yep. But um, all right, cool. So what's the, what's the story we got on our hands? So this is, uh, we. I think you're going to be happy to hear, we're, I think, right at um mls 2.0 and what year would you say that's around 2007 is mls 2.0 oh, okay so basically when i'm leaving high school yes and uh there's two things that happen the first one is um actually the first one that happens is the one we're going to talk about which is uh the league expands into toronto fc into yeah, toronto. yeah yeah right right i think you can i think it's fair to say toronto is the first mls 2.0 type club it's the first Canadian team to be brought in. Definitely first Canadian team. And I think like if you look at back at it now, it's like the significance of a team that eventually started to spend a lot of money and mm-hmm. investing a lot, which you see now in um, uh, very quickly with Seattle and then Atlanta and then LAFC. Cool. Um, but you know how, so we've talked about some of the expansion teams so far. So we talked about RSL. We talked about Chivas USA. Right. And Houston, right? Not necessarily expansion, but uh, relocation. Um, and so all those clubs, um, you know, when they joined the league, they signed up for the business plan of, you know, make sure you have a soccer-specific stadium that was outlined in Uncle Phil's ranch. Um, but it still took a few years. We talked about that in the last episode, right, to build that stadium. Usually yeah. you're in a temporary stadium. And one of the unique things about Toronto FC um, is that they started in BMO Field year one. I don't know if you remember that. I actually do remember that. Because yeah. I remember I was like, oh, that's really cool how their like stadium has a skyline of the city in the background. And it was like immediate. Right? And uh, I remember that being the first time I was thinking that. I think the next time I saw like some cool cityscape in the background, even though it wasn't Philadelphia, it was in Chester, it was, you know, Philly Union. Yep. Had a very cool scenery. Yeah, behind the stadium with the bridge and everything, and, like the, and the, that made like the vibe of the supporters feel different. It felt yeah, more, totally. Like, lack of a better word, felt more like a European scene, right? A little and bit. So, and so, like Toronto FC, uh, I think was the first major club to do that, have that feel. Um, and they did it in day one, which was the unique part. And so, this story is about how Toronto FC got their team and how they ended up, you know, getting a stadium in day one. How they how that set it up. And normally, this is where I, like, introduce you to the owner of, like, the sports conglomerate that 
you know, bought yep. the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the weird part about this is that the owner of the sports conglomerate that bought the team wasn't a person. It was the Antar- Ontario Teachers Pension Fund. What? Yeah. So in t- uh, the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund. So if what you- does that mean? So you know what a pension fund is? It's like Yeah, a- I know what a pension fund is, but it's like all the teachers in Ontario... <laughs> Yeah. Bought, what? So, like, what pension funds end up being is like, um, basically, the the managing people of a pension fund basically have all this money to invest into in order to make a higher return on investment to eventually pay the pensions of yeah, whoever, sure, right, right. And so, fundamentally, they're they're almost like venture capitals. They can be, you know, because they start investing in things. And we talked about how the return on investment on sports franchises are really lucrative. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense, but it's really funny to think about that the owner of the conglomerate was not a person, but a, but a pension fund for the Ontario teachers, which is pretty cool. And we're going to talk about how that became the case um, and also um, the specific circumstances that allowed Toronto FC to be. I think you might have to remake that graphic you just made <laughs> if you're going to go back that far. No, because to understand um, the group that ended up starting Toronto FC, it's the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Did you group. intentionally wait until we were in our own 20s to talk about the 20s? No, I, I give you a pause because I know you didn't like talking about the 1990s. So <laughs> to do like something in the 1927, I thought you would have a bigger reaction than you did. I don't know. I don't know how to feel. Uh, okay. I think that's my reaction. All right. So, so the, the group that ends up buying Toronto FC is a group called uh, the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Group. So, um, and that group was started in 1927 by a guy named Con Smythe, um, Canadian guy. Uh, if you have heard that name before, it's because... If you, you probably watch hockey then, um, and the MVP of the playoffs um, gets the trophy called the Conn Smythe Trophy. So he's a pretty big name in hockey. The specifically MVP trophy. For the playoffs. For the playoffs. In part. NHL. Okay. It's called the Conn Smythe Trophy. All right. And so this guy's a big hockey guy, um, and in 1927, him and a bunch of investors uh, buy the, the NHL team in Toronto. The Maple Leafs. Uh, it wasn't actually called the Maple Leaves when they bought it. Um, it was called the Toronto St. Patrick's. What? Um, but as soon as they bought it, they, they changed the name to the Maple Leafs. Specifically, Con Smythe did. And part of it is because the dude was super patriotic um, and had like a patriotic duty in his mind. Okay. And the Maple Leaf stands, you know, as a national symbol. Right, right, right. And, um, and the reason why he was so patriotic and pro-military is because he served in not just in World War I, he also served in World War II. He served in both world wars for the Canadian Army. I, you know, I forgot Canada was even involved at all. You know, I feel like our friends in Canada will be very mad at you for that. They'll be so mad at me yeah. for that. It's just, they're not talked about enough. I agree. Let's, let's, let's put it, let's put it that way. This entire episode is about them. Right. Yeah. And then the Canadians are not talked about enough in general. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Consmythe, uh, very uh, pro- Pro-Canada. Very Fun fact, my brother was born in Canada. Yeah, it was. Saskatoon. Not talked about enough. <laughs> talked about right now. Yeah. Um, Smith buys, buys Toronto uh, St. Patrick's, renames it to the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. Under the, the group name is called the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, uh, which is MLSE for short. 
Um, but I won't call it that because then it gets very confusing. It gets confu- super confusing. It's very confusing. And there's um, also EMLS, which yeah. is like playing <laughs> FIFA yeah. and representing MLSE, not to be confused by the EMLS. EMLS or MLS yeah. or multiple listing services even. <laughs> so we're just calling Maple Leafs, uh, the Maple Leafs uh, Sports and Entertainment Group. And so he buys them. Um, he actually, uh, you know, they, they fo- stay focused on hockey. So I think mm-hmm. they buy some other hockey teams as well. Um, and they they make the garden where the hockey team plays, which is, you know, building up a stadium, but very much focus on hockey. And then the next meaningful thing that happens in the story is that all the way in 1960, where Con Smythe is, uh, is an old man, and he's wanting to sell his shares, and he's a majority share, share owner, he wants to sell his shares to his son, Stafford Smythe. Okay. And he sells it, and he doesn't realize... That Stafford is buying the shares not by himself but by two other partners, um, and there are two guys that go by the name of Harold Ballard and then John Bassett. And but he didn't know that. So basically, when he sold the the shares, he thought actually, he was the only one buying. Back? He thought he thought yeah. he was selling it to his son, and it would stay within the comp- uh, his own family. Right, right. But it actually was a conglomerate of three people. So it went from like majority to not not majority, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few more years later, because now he's not in control. Now mm-hmm. these other three people are, and they start expanding outside of hockey. So they buy like a AAA baseball team. They're starting to host um, different types of sports inside of the uh, arena that usually is just for hockey, like boxing. And then uh, the last straw was that the uh, the group decided to host a boxing match with Muhammad Ali. And Mo- Who did he fight? Uh, I actually don't know. But the, the we'll reason look why, it up later. Yeah, we'll look it up later. But I think uh, the reason why it's um, significant is because Conn Smythe, being nationalistic and pro-military, did not like Muhammad Ali because he, you know, did not serve in the Vietnam War. I uh, all right. Well, I have thoughts on that. Go, because I have thoughts on it as well. Muhammad Ali, he served jail time, did he not? He served jail time, and he also like it, so, this is an American thing, not a yeah, Canadian that's, thing. That's and the, that's why I was confused. But like. Your punishment was to serve jail time if you didn't accept your your involvement with the draft. So uh, he paid his dues. Listen, all I can tell you is constantly. Whatever. I mean, if someone who's running a business of any kind doesn't like X, Y, and Z and wants to stop doing anything yeah. they want to do for whatever reason, it's it's their call at the end of the day. But yeah. So I mean, basically, I think he said something along the lines of that. The company now is valuing the money over morals, um, and and he sells the remaining of his shares. You know, and you know, listen, he you're right. He has a choice to do what he wants. I find it weird that it had nothing to do with Canada. It's, it's American and whatever. But uh, I mean, fundamentally, he loses his company. Like, you know, it's no longer his anymore, right? So he didn't lose it. He gave it away. True. He gave yeah. it. He gave away his company. All right. So um, shortly after, so now. His son and these two other guys have control, um, but it's shortly thereafter his son Stafford um, Stafford uh, Smythe is uh, charged with tax evasion, um, and the other guy Harold Ballard is accused of taking money from a company from personal reasons, so fraud, right? So that leaves the third guy John Bassett to actually run the board by himself. Man, it's like those guys valued money over morals. Oh my God, <laughs> nice. Call a callback. That's a nice callback. Um, but John Bassett, the guy who did not get charged with anything, um, forgets to make the other two sell their shares. 
So he's in charge, but you need the approval of the board, anyway, the majority of shareholders to do anything. So he can't do anything. Um, and so he ends up then selling his own shares. Um, and To whom? To the other two guys who are going who to be charged currently... with... currently... No, they're charged with crimes. They haven't been convicted, convicted okay. yet. Um, right. And so, and then he uses that money to, to buy the Toronto Argonauts, which is like a Canadian football team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before uh, Stafford Smythe can go to trial, he actually dies, right? Um, and he um, ends up uh, giving most of the stocks, and the stocks go to... The third guy, who then goes to jail for fraud. This is the weirdest story I've just, done so far. Listen, this is so weird. This is so crazy. This is so like not comparable to everything we've ever talked about. I listen. I I'm having a tough time following. It's like three guys. Two of them are still like one dies. The other one's like I can't do anything without the other guys. I'm dude, just gonna give it to the other guys. I, the dad's like I don't like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, it's so crazy. I was reading. So like when I do research on this stuff, man, it's usually like this guy started a company. Here are some business practices that he did, and then it's interesting to see. When I looked it up, I was fully expecting the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Group to be the same, and it's not. It's just like so many weird things happen, and I find it interesting, but maybe you don't. No, it's not that I don't find it interesting. It's actually very interesting because yeah. it's so different. Yeah. It's also just like there's things in there that I just <laughs> I don't agree with. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that's why it's, that's why it's interesting like, to talk about. You said last straw, <laughs> and the next couple of words you said was like, they were hosting boxing matches with Muhammad Ali. I, and I was just like, what What last straw? What are you talking about? I I, that's why it's so crazy to me. Who, who watches that? the greatest boxer of all time and just throws her hands up and goes, that's it, I'm done. You know, like it makes no sense. Because Mike did, though. Like, he really did it. He was like, you know what, I'm done. This all right, is what, what happens after this? So, right. like, so his son passes away. Uh, before he can go to jail. Okay. Basically, he passes away, and then the uh, the last partner who's about to go to jail okay. buys all the shares, right? So, so the guy who is waiting to be convicted, pretty much, yeah, has full ownership. Full now. ownership goes to jail. Goes to jail for, for three years. Still has full ownership. Comes back. Runs the company. What is a real life monopoly? <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows the best place to go if you're playing monopoly at a certain point in the game. Is to go to jail because you can still accrue rent money. <laughs> yeah, this guy. So basically it's just like I don't want to go around the board and land on these bad spots. Yeah, but I want to get paid. Yeah. So he still has. He still has control. Control from from jail. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's like very complicated schemes and corporations he sets up to make it work, but he has control. And then, so he runs the company, and like uh, after he gets out of jail, he's known for actually making it pretty profitable. Okay. But he's terrible with his personal finances. So he accrues large debt on his own mm-hmm. to the point where he's, um, he sells Molson Brewery. So Molson is, you know, the beer company. Okay. <laughs> to cover his own debt, he sells then them um, uh, the option to buy 20% of, of uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, well underneath the value of what it is, right? Okay. And... I say this because, you know, when he dies, uh, his shares uh, are there, but he has this giant personal debt. So he dies in 1990. And the executor of his, of his will is a guy named Steve Stavro, who's a supermarket tycoon. 
and he personally pays what off. What does that mean? A supermarket tycoon? Like I, he owns a bunch of supermarket, like a chain of supermarkets in Canada. Okay. Yeah. Like a Walmart type equivalent. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he's the executor of the will and he goes, I am personally going to pay off this guy's debt that he left in his death. Uh, in exchange, I have the option to buy all the shares of the company. Okay. Right? So the only reason why he gets this is because the guy who ran it before ran up a huge amount of personal debt. Right? Mm. And so he, he has this option, but he doesn't have enough money himself to, um, to buy it. Right? Because like, to buy it is, is a fair amount of money. Yeah. And so he um, convinces uh, two major uh, companies to, to pitch in. TD Bank. Uh, TD Bank, okay. Yeah, so Toronto Dominion Bank is TD Bank. And then, um, and they buy a small percentage. And the other major one is... Is it BMO? Uh, no, it's <sighs> Ontario Teachers Pension That was a good guess, though. That was Fund. a good guess. That okay. was a good guess. <laughs> that was a pretty good guess. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, um, but Steve Stavro is, is basically, um, is the primary manager of this through a complicated relationship between the three partners, right? So... Um, and during his time period, they actually buy the Toronto Raptors, the basketball team. Right. Right. So now Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment is starting to expand beyond just hockey and small teams on the side. Now they've bought, you know, the second kind of big franchise in their system. Um, and when they um, buy the Raptors, the guy who's running the Raptors at this time is a guy named Richard Petty. And Richard Petty then becomes kind of the CEO of, major, of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Group. Right. Okay. So he starts running the show. In 2003, uh, Steve Sabro is like... 2001? Three. Three. Steve Sabro is like, I'm going to cash out. I'm going to sell the shares that I have for like $120 million. And he sells it to um, the Ontario um, Teachers Pension Fund. And at that point, the main owner of, the, um, of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment is the pension fund. So the Ontario Teachers Future Pensions owns this entire conglomerate of team. It's being run by Richard Petty, but it's owned by the pension fund. Okay. Got it? I think, I think so far. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure. Okay. So 2003 um, is, is when they take over. The other thing that's happening around 2003 is another thing. And it's um, basically... That's when you're graduating from high school. That's when I'm graduating yeah. from high school. <laughs> that's what's going on. Um, there's another thing, and it's, um, it's a place in Toronto called Exhibition uh, Stadium or basically the area that Exhibition Stadium used to be. So Exhibition Stadium is an area right by the bay in Toronto where okay. um, there used to be a stadium as, as long back as like the late 1800s, for, and it was used for sports. What, what sports? Um, I mean, back in the day, it was just like, like a grandstand, like way, mm -hmm. way back in the day, but then fires destroyed it, and then eventually they built a full stadium. And in the 1950s, I think it was used for the Toronto Argonauts, the Canadian Football okay. League. And then in the 1970s, they adjusted the stadium to make it work for Major League Baseball so they can get an expansion team. And that became uh, okay. the Toronto Blue, Blue Jays. Blue Jays, yeah. Right? And that stadium in the 70s, because it's right by the bay, is, was notoriously terrible for baseball. Like It's got to be like windy, right? 60 mile per hour winds. Like, yeah. There's like really cool videos of like pitchers not being able to pitch. Like... Because the wind was too strong. Jeez. Um, it was outdoors. That's so. totally a baseball's alley, though. <laughs> you know, there's no standard size for a field. Yeah. It's like, we're going to make our left outfield 
yeah. 317 feet because it benefits our batters. And then make the right field 400-something. Who cares? It's our bar, ballpark. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it was a lot of winds, snow, which is not great for baseball. No. And then um, it, if you're over by a shore or you're by a lake, you know, during certain periods, there's a lot of fog. So there's like a oh, really cool yeah. video of like a, of someone hitting a pop-up like into like a little bit past the infield. And it was so much fog that he ends up getting an inside the park home run. <laughs> <laughs> How can we confirm that he touched the bases? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, can we post that video on our Twitter? Yeah. We I'd like to see that. We can totally do that. And so um, by the uh, 1980s, like the Toronto City is like, we need to get a new stadium because it's not working for baseball. Yeah, so, it sounds awful. So they were like, we need to make a dome stadium. And so they make the Sky Dome. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And that's in 1989 when you were born. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and right when they build it, basically the Blue Jays and the Argonauts leave Exhibition Stadium mm-hmm. to play in the Sky Dome. And so it's kind of an empty stadium that's used not that frequently until 1999 where it's destroyed. But that space has been used for hundred, like more than 100 years for sports. And the city wants to continue to use it for sports. So fast forward to 2003. 2003 is when the Canadian Soccer Association okay. <laughs> gets the right. I don't know why that made me chuckle. I have no idea. Because it just took a hard laugh. Like <laughs> we were just talking about so much different stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, we're back to soccer. Great. <laughs> so it's like Can- almost relief. <laughs> <laughs> so the Canadian Soccer Association um, uh, wins the rights to host the 2007 U20 World yes. Cup. Yes. Which we've talked about Which in this talked about Why did we talk about it? Because we were talking about Freddie Adu. Yes. Killing it. That's, and Josie Altador playing with him. Yes. And so in that for and that... And beating Brazil. Yeah. And yeah. for that World Cup, they needed a specific soccer stadium mm-hmm. that held somewhere between twenty or 30,000 people. Right. And so they were like, hey, we want to pitch creating a stadium. You know, a soccer stadium and using the space for that, right? And so at this point... Now, going back to Maple Leafs Sports and Entertainment, mm-hmm. they are n- now led by a person who uh, basically, Richard Petty, who came from basketball. Mm-hmm. They're multi-sport. Their main owner is a pension fund that all they care about is return on investment, right? That's what pension funds care about. And so they're like, and I've heard, I've heard about Major League Soccer that their entire plan is on getting a soccer stadium. So Canadian Soccer Association wants to make a stadium. Yep. We have money. We care about return on investment. We can get an MLS team, right? So everything's just kind of lining up. Everything is kind of lining up, right? So, um, and, and so they ended up uh, getting uh, the approval for the stadium pretty easily because, again, Canadian Soccer Association is involved. The city wanted that stadium anyway. Um, they have the funding and the sports infrastructure to make it. And so I think in 2005, they announced that they've paying the uh, expansion fee and they're, w- they're ready to go for 2007 for the launch year. Why? Because the stadium needs to be ready for the U20 World Cup anyway. Right. And so for year number one, not only do they have a team, but they already have a stadium ready to go. And it's right by the bay and you can see the skyline because that area was always used for sports in the first place. Ah. Uh. You see how it all kind of comes together? Yeah, that's crazy. Right? And so that, I think, led to this explosion of, you know, soccer in, in Toronto 
uh, and the team, as you recall it from day one, was really, really well um, supported, like well over 20,000. I think their first year, they were like number three in attendance. Um, it's funny because they've, they've, it's not funny. I don't know why I just said that. I mean, they've always had a great fan base. Yeah. The thing I remember about Toronto when they first came out as an expansion side, they were terrible. Yeah. They, they were, were not good. They were really bad. Um, and I associate Toronto FC early years with Dayro, with Dwayne Du Rosario, but like, I know that he wasn't on the original team. No. He didn't think. join until later. I think in 2009. So it's, it's a good thing you point out. So the infrastructure of the team from mm-hmm. a financial standpoint is super sound. Right. right. Now, but for the team team. Yeah, for the team team is, is really bad, which would point to poor management right, of the team, <laughs> yeah. not of the finances side. And um, and because the fans fan base is super strong. Yeah, the stadiums uh, looks nice. Stadium looks nice, and they upgraded really quickly because originally it was artificial, and mm-hmm. then they they get grass in there, yeah. and they, yeah. they, and so they're spending money on that. And the reason why I would argue is because I told you the person who's running Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment is Richard Petty, who is um, a basketball guy, and there's quotes of him later on in the years talking about the um basically like the chief operating officer or the people that were over overlooking um uh the uh toronto fc organization he saw it as like sort of a stepping stone to something else right he wasn't i don't think yeah it injury like the end game itself yes okay right yeah and so i can tell you exactly when that changed is when richard petty stepped down mm-hmm. and then they hired a guy that we talked about in the last episode Tim Liewicki. Ah, Mr. Traveling Consultant Get Butts in the Seat guy. But they didn't need butts in, they didn't need butts in the seats. No, they, but... They needed, they needed a team. Yes. And, but the difference between Tim Liewicki and, and Richard Petty, I believe, is Tim Liewicki does believe in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Really cares about it. And, um, and so he hires a guy named Tim Bezbachenko to be the general manager. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2014. And 2014 is the year That's when... That's when things started turning around, right? Do you remember what happened in 2014 for them? I don't want to be wrong. I, I want to say that was like when they j- just changed everything. They were just like, we're bringing in Bradley and, yep. and Defoe. Bradley, Defoe, and uh, uh, Julio Cesar. And Yeah, Julio Cesar. We went to the World Cup that year, too. It was right. kind of crazy. Yeah, that was the... I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, that team, because the year after that, they traded Defoe. They basically swapped Defoe for... Josie Altidore. And they signed the greatest player, probably in MLS history so far. From Italy. He's like five foot three. Oh, there's a clue. There's there that's that was what I was waiting for. Yeah. Sebastian Jovinko. Sebastian Jovinko. No, I was I was literally waiting for you to mention his height. <laughs> because yeah. you're also five foot three. I am I'm five four when I stand up straight, but I report as five three on my driver's license because I slouch. <laughs> I slouch all the time. Um and so that's that's exactly when uh everything started turning around. You know, and, and they also upgraded the stadium to hold more people, so by 2016, they make MLS Cup, mm-hmm. right? Jovinko's having like some of the best years you've ever seen in Major League Soccer, and 2017 is legitimately, I think, you can say arguably is the best MLS season of all time by any team. Uh, I'll agree with that. Yeah, they won. I'll the, agree with that. They won the treble. They, Supporter they, Shield. Yeah, they had the treble. Supporter um, the treble for those of you guys who don't know is the Supporter Shield, the regional cup. Yep, so Canadian. Canadian Cup and then um, MLS Cup. Yeah. Right? And then they also make it to the uh, and finals. And they were very close to making it four 
Yeah, with the CCL. With the CCL. Or uh, CONCACAF Champions League. I still, yeah, I still think that might be one of the greatest teams ever. Yeah, in Major League Soccer history. Yeah. And, and that was because finally they had the leadership that believed in soccer as being the end game. And mm. then the investment really ramped up. Right. And um, they have like the highest uh, wage bill in all of MLS, I think still I today. remember. I remember when they like announced the whole idea of like bringing Bradley back. And he, he came from Roma. Yep. Like he was killing it. They were calling him General Bradley. Like it was. Yeah. It was, it was during great times for him. And it was almost like a Miami Heat level. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like bringing the boys to bring the cups kind of thing. And it's not, it's not, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, like they've been to three MLS cups since that. Yeah. And arguably should have won more than one. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and not to take not not to take anything away from Stefan Fry though, with that save on Josie, but like, I think yeah, they they could have more stars. The step change in spending after that year was, I mean, you say Bradley, like I think Bradley was definitely killing it in Roma, just like you said, but mm-hmm. he was making I think less than a million euros a year. In order to get him to come to the U.S., they had to pretty much pay top-end dollar to Roma for the transfer fee, which I think right. was close to $10 million. And then had to DP pay... DP slot. DP slot, and then pay him $6.5 million a year. Right? Yeah. Which With is, an option that could have activated. Yeah, um, and kept going. But, like, it's... Um, and that was well above, I think, market range for Bradley. They had yeah. to really overpay for him uh, to come over here. And they got Jovinko when he was in his prime. I think he was, like, 27 or 28. Yeah. And he's a fringe Italian national team, and it was the same thing. They paid him seven million a year. When I think in Juventus, he was probably getting. And older. again, arguably, I don't think should have been a fringe Italian national team. Right? Yeah. I think he should have been on the teams. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but like the amount of investment they were willing to do in order to win was unprecedented, you know. Yeah. And so I think that's their legacy in MLS today, and I think that's why they're. Probably the first Can we club. Please in... say that's the main takeaway from all of this. <laughs> the main takeaway is, is... like stardom and like spending big yeah it's like now it's norm yeah you know, I, now I, now with all the new franchises coming out when atlanta came out they spent big i think they started it they started it but yeah that's only possible because the exhibition stadium was gonna get was destroyed mm-hmm. and the Can- Can- uh, canadian soccer association needed a stadium for the u20 world cup yeah and because of all the craziness that happened in Maple Leaf. And you had to be against Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, listen, so. maybe it stays in the family and all they do is hockey. <laughs> Who knows, you know? Um, I just thought it was super interesting. But that's the story of Toronto FC. And like I said, I think the legacy of Toronto FC is um, the first of, I think, the MLS 2.0 clubs and a club that really pushed Major League Soccer to spend more on players and, and try to win specifically against Liga MX teams as well. You know what? I think they should also bring back the uh, the pink third kit. I don't even remember the pink third kit. What? No. I think it was like... Yeah, Dayro was on the team. So then it was probably 09 or 2010. Yeah, I've seen... I, like, I remember... I think, I think we went to a Red Bull game together against Toronto. And I saw someone rocking the pink De Rosario jersey. And I was like, that's dope. That's really cool. All right, bring it back. I don't remember it, but bring it back. Bring it back. 
I know Seattle's done a, a pink third kit. I don't know why I'm on this pink third. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about Miami now. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Toronto FC, like, what a huge turnaround, too. Great turnaround. I think uh, I think if you're a Because tar- they were, like, their first season was, their top scorer was Dikio, no? Yeah. With, like, six goals. <laughs> yeah, they were really bad. They were really bad. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It was... Up until 2013, if you look at the way they spent, it wasn't that impressive, you know. Also, the rules were different, so they weren't allowed to spend as freely as they wanted to. Sure. But it wasn't until you had the leadership change with Laiwiki and Pesbachenko, um, where they now are are juggernauts, and now the expectation is that they compete every year. And they pushed the envelope that Seattle continued to push, that Atlanta's continuing to push, and LAFC's continuing to push. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say a thing that I said in, uh, I think, our latest bonus ode. Um, just please, no no MLS Cup with Seattle and Toronto in the same cup Yeah, again. I think I'm okay with Seattle being in the next MLS Cup. I'm okay with Toronto FC being in the next MLS Cup. We're done with that series. Three is enough. Three, three is enough. Three is enough. Speaking of enough... What are your sources? Um, I just realized right now that my sources are not in my phone where they normally be. So I will post them where they normally are, which is I'll the description. It. I'll accept it. It's been a weird episode. Our dog's been bugging out. She's been like chewing on stuff. Yeah. Which is not normal. No, but hopefully you found this episode to be uh, interesting. But it is normal when we record things. Okay. So maybe she's just like anxious about why are these guys... Not paying attention to me. <laughs> yeah, and talking into <laughs> microphones. Anyway, um, I don't have the sources here. I'll post them, and I'll also post some uh, videos as well. But um, oh, please do that! Like sixty mile per hour wind. Yeah, I I, I know you said fastball, but that ended up a curveball for sure. And then like uh, the fog. Um, but if you do like this episode, please rate and review us, and follow us at uh, on Twitter at twenty five underscore. Stories. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I have trouble with that every episode. Yeah. Well, hopefully the listeners aren't. (laughs) All right, guys. We will catch you next time.